There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Oh man, I just have to have sex or I'll die. I'll just die. And the only way to get the best sex is to go to Europe. I mean, everyone there is just having it all the time. They do it with jello, pizza. Heck, they have nude beaches in the middle of the Vatican. Everyone knows that. And all the women have names that make you think they're men. Is that crazy or what? I have no money or brains, but there is no way I am not going to spend the summer in Europe not having sex on every blade of grass, drinking beer out of the stranger's underpants. No way. And Max, you have to come with me. It's, it's just insane there because it's Europe. It's a known fact. Sex for breakfast, sex for tea, but you can't have your sex if you don't eat your meat. One thing you can have, even here is Max Mike Movies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we jest. Everyone really oh, knows yes. there's no sex in, at all in Europe. I read it on a matchbook cover somewhere. I thought that was just in England. That too. They used to be in Europe, now they're not. I guess you can vote yourself off a continent. I didn't know that was true, but apparently it is. <laughs> but if you really want to know about sex and then cry, you can just ask our host, Max, <laughs> careful where you put that, Levine. Turn your head and cough, Max. Did I mention I cried? <laughs> I cried. <laughs> and I me. I cried a million tears. <laughs> and thank me. Thank you, Morrissey. <laughs> no, no, don't thank Morrissey yeah. ever. <laughs> and me, I can only be Mike. I don't get no loose. Together, we totally went to Europe, and boy, oh boy, did we get... Oh, uh, wait, uh, we're <clears throat> doing a movie this week, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> 2004's Euro Trip, a movie suggested by one of you, our listeners. Your this fault. One, <laughs> this one's come for, to us from Dave. Dave! Long-time listener, long-time commenter. We want to know what's so funny in this series of the same name, and this week, we're going to find out. Right after all the sex. But first, we have many replies to our... Poll question. Last time out, we Hang on, sorry, I gotta stop you. I'm still having sex. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I could tell by the boingy boingy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, was it European sex, Max? It was, it was indeed. Sex, Max. Which me, which me, yes, which means we had to use the metric system. I... <laughs> Yeah, five centimeters. Um, Sex Max, is that your new uh, nickname? Sex Max. Anyway, last last time out, we asked what movie soundtrack made you want to hear more of that band's music or that genre of music. You had this to say, and we have you to thank. Matt McStravick said, quote, many entries here. Toto's Dune score, Daft Punk's score to Tron Legacy, M83 score for Oblivion. A more classic soundtrack, where the movie is meant to be a jukebox or music video, would of course be Queen's contributions, if not trailblazing, to soundtrack work, Flash Gordon and Highlander. (laughs) End quote. Who wants to live forever? No, not me. All interesting choices. Thanks, Matt. Ah! (laughs) Dave Meiselman was next with, quote, also multiple entries. The Big Chill pulled me and much of the country down the Motown rabbit hole with Marvin Gaye uh, and the Temptations. True. Pulp Fiction introduced me to Dick Dale. Garden State hooked me with the shins and plus one to Flash Gordon, though I was already a Queen fan, end quote. Thanks, mm. Dave. Nice. Jamie Kleinert wrote, quote, The Last Unicorn, Red Violin. I've played some really? of the caprices that Corigliano wrote for that. 
pretty huh. much pretty much any all of John Williams scores, but especially Star Wars. I love playing professional rep and recognizing snippets that he um, <clears throat> stole. Most recently, <laughs> I recognized some of the Dagobah motifs in the Poulenc Gloria. Soundtracks are a large part of what got me interested in learning and teaching music. I also had the inverse happen. I got more interested in Highlander once I learned Queen did the soundtrack, end quote. Wow, lots of good stuff. And John yeah. Williams. But are you familiar with his influential incidental music from Gilligan's Island or a theme do from Lost do in do Space? Do, 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 do. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Tim Potter merely said, quote, Blade Runner, end quote. Vangelis, uh. and we thank you, Tim. Val Coons, whose footsteps are always cued, posted, quote, This is Spinal Tap and The Commitments. That's a band I should have added to last uh. week's poll answer. So darn good. Ooh, and That Thing You Do, end quote. Hmm. Um, there was only that one song in That Thing You Do. Do you <laughs> mean the music of Fountain of Wayne? No, oh, thanks, sure. Val. Yeah. It's fountaining and it's Wayne. Nick Hoffman had things to say. Quote, Star Wars made me notice composers. I hadn't really been aware of them before, but I immediately was aware of John Williams. Then it opened up a bunch more. James Horner, Star Trek II. Maurice Jarre, Lawrence of Arabia. Eric Wolfgang Korngold, Captain Blood, The Seahawk, The Adventures of Robin Hood. Hans Zimmer, really caught my attention with Gladiator. John Barry tended to copy himself, but really had some fantastic romantic scores. And Michael Kamen, end quote. That last one, don't know a movie associated with him, but that's okay. Thanks, Nick. Do you know Michael wow. Kamen? I don't know any of those people. Really? Well, you Except know John, John Williams. Williams. James Horner, yeah, he's done tons of stuff. Hmm. Uh, the other ones I'm not particularly... No, Hans Zimmer, yeah, I know his stuff. He's oh, Hans everything. Zimmer I've heard of, yeah. Which is German for John Room. It's true, <laughs> look it up. <laughs> I'm Zimmer. <laughs> Tony Merrill answered with, quote, Cat Stevens, Harold and Maud." end quotes. Yeah, oh, an entire episode yeah. on Harold and Maud. Thanks, Tony. Mm. Derek Steele offered Don't Say It. Quote, the social network... Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> He's a photographer. Derek That's Steele offered, quote, the social network, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh. Obviously well-versed in Nine Inch Nails, but that other dude added some cool depth. Now he's a member of Nine Inch Nails, end quote. Awesome! Oh. Thanks, Derek. Who is Rock on, dude. <laughs> Party on, Wayne. Uh, Roland Hardy's answer was, quote, the mission by Ennio Morricone, end quote. Oh, wow. Thanks, Roland obscure yeah but hey if that's what got you to yeah. Ennio Morricone it's great yeah Keith Wright often heard on that excellent podcast mm. Q Footsteps wrote most excellent there's a movie called Haywire with Gina Carano the soundtrack is very cool oh, it's yes. like jazz mixed with a black exploitation soundtrack the movie isn't uh. great, but after seeing it, I went on Amazon and bought the soundtrack. Also, mm. the soundtrack to The Social Network by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is stellar. End quote. Ooh, a couple votes for Trent, a couple votes for mm. Johnny Williams. Thanks, Keith. Tyler Stewart helped us out with, quote, The movie Constantine got me interested in soundtrack composer Graham Ravel. This doesn't count, mm. but The Masked Singer significantly expanded my knowledge of pop music in general. I literally didn't know who Billie Eilish was before I saw The Sun perform When the Party's Over, end quote. Well, Billie's mm. tops in my book. Thanks, Tyler. Wow. Dave! Dave! Gave us, besides this week's movie, quote, Yep. I have an inordinate dislike of soundtracks, but no point in ranting. Oh. The two uh. that get regular play from me are The Harder They Come and Repo Man. The uh. artists I've explored from those soundtracks are Jimmy Cliff and Jonathan Richmond, 
even though Jonathan isn't technically on the Repo Man soundtrack. When well, I found I out that he wrote songs is I guess, but I guess he doesn't perform on it. Yeah. When I found out that he wrote Pablo Picasso, I checked him out <laughs> and I love his work. I only own one soundtrack that is not more properly viewed as a collection of hit singles. It is a soundtrack to a French film I can't pronounce, but which thankfully he provided the translation is Ascent to the Scaffold. I like the mood of that soundtrack and the tone of the trumpet, but compositionally, it is not Miles Davis' most interesting album by any stretch, end quote. Well, um, for someone that doesn't like soundtracks who still gave us a cool answer, thanks, Dave. Yeah. Angelo Patsalis only wrote, quote, Stealing Beauty, end quote. Well, thanks, Angelo. Yeah. Margaret Trout posted, quote, Lost Highway introduced me to Barry Adamson, if I remember correctly, end quote. She wrote IIRC, but I would... Wow, I don't know either of those. You don't Mm. know that movie? I don't know. Lost Highway, isn't that the Twin Peaks movie? No, uh, that's uh, Fire Walk with Me. Oh, why do I have a feeling it is a David Lynch film? I'm not. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Although you, yeah. Well, thanks, Peggy. But way, way up past the tree line, where only penguins, walruses, and Vince dare to go, we get an answer from. What the heck was that? That's a penguin call. No, that no, is exactly what penguins sound like. Um, I think prove me wrong. With, I think I would go with Toucan Sam, but that's all right. <laughs> anyway, we get an answer from Vince. Yeah. He said, "Quote: My introduction to soundtrack music came when I bought John Williams' soundtrack to Jaws and followed with Star Wars, The Fury, uh. and others. But he also piqued my interest in other composers for films like Jerry Goldsmith. Uh. I was already into classical orchestral music, so it might have been a natural progression." Well, classical music and David Bowie, end quote. Thanks, Vince. Nice combo. Yeah. But Max, what about you? What movie soundtrack opened a musical door for you? A magical musical door. Well, obviously, it was Repo, the genetic opera. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh Now, now, oddly enough, it was last week's movie, Blues Brothers, got me really into R&B. Right. And especially, it just got me nuts for uh, Ray Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that was the main one. The other, oddly enough, was uh, oh lord, uh, tape heads. Oh, whose music? Which um, Sam Cooke and Junior Walker. Okay, who were the the swanky modes? Mm. But also, just it it was such this this interesting pastiche of different kinds of music. Yeah, Fishbones like, in there. <laughs> yeah, Fishbones in there. Devos in there. Mm. A lot of people are in there. Even you know the people they make reference to. You know, like Bonnie Raitt. Not the body rate. <laughs> See our entire episode yeah. on tape heads. Yeah. What about you? What uh, what magical musical doors were opened for you by the world of cinema? And slammed right in my face. No, um, mm-hmm. Magnolia. It was a, ah. one of those films, those rare films where they said, no, we only want one person to do the entire score like The Graduate. Oh, this... This this get brought you to Amy Mann, didn't it? It did. I didn't. I had mm. forgotten her. I I had heard the two's mm. to, the Till Tuesday single. Uh, it's so scary. I'm sorry. Uh, voices carry, and <laughs> I'd forgotten about what, that and blah blah blah. And then I heard the soundtrack. I'm like, who the heck is that? I really like this these songs and this music. And it was Amy Mann. And I've mm-hmm. been a fan of Amy Mann ever since. The other one is a movie that you and I saw together, and yeah. it was Miles Away. And it introduced me to oh, Miles Davis. Miles- Miles Davis, yes. Yeah. And it got me into jazz. Not heavily, mm-hmm. but, you know, I own quite a few jazz albums here, and mm-hmm. I, I it made me... It's that 
that particular album, which was kind of blue, is honestly a gateway. If you're not into jazz, don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't get jazz. Kind of Blue is basically a lot of people's entry point to jazz, and it's it's really worth looking at. Now, that being said, Miles would like leave that behind fairly quickly and go off and just in tons of different directions, but still. So, mm. well, that's all, cool. that's all well and good, but there is yeah. no way we are going to move ahead without more answers to yet another poll question. And we this, are insatiable. And this poll question is brought to you by Bumpy Puck Cereal, mm. the cereal that lets you make a horse of yourself. We want to, I know I don't know. We want to know <laughs> what is your least favorite comedy? What movie did you just find blindingly unfunny even when everyone around you was laughing themselves sick? Let us know and we promise not to make a series out of your answers. Before oh we get God. to God. <laughs> what a night. Don't even joke about that. Yeah, hey uh, everyone will do a series of the films you hate the most. Hey. Because we hate ourselves and want to watch nothing but terrible, terrible comedies. We won't tell them what we watch in our downtime. (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is, Paradise is the name of a motel. Anyway, Ah! that's a deeper. Before we get to trivia, we had a sort of, kind of bit of... Listener mail. When we posted a rerun link to our episode on It's a Wonderful Life, one of our listeners and frequent commenters, Adam Mark, left us a very interesting note, and I want to share it with you here. He wrote, quote, A comment of yours that struck me was towards the end. It's a bit Norman Rockwell. That's just the thing. Just as Rockwell portrayed a stylized, optimistic, good-at-heart America, so too does Capra portray our world, Bedford Falls, the Main Street, USA, in the same manner. When George is shown in an alternative world, he expresses horror in being shown the world as it actually is, where the beautiful and flashy are exploited then thrown away, Violet, where the idealistic Mm -hmm. and pure are beaten down into mirthless drones, Mary, where good-natured people are rendered darker and more suspicious of one another, Bert and Ernie, and where the soft, twinkling magic of our childhoods is ripped away, revealing crass, glaring neon. Should George Bailey be praised for returning to his Rockwellian paradise or condemned for allowing the fates to cloud his eyes against humanity's true nature once more? Why is he not shocked and horrified that his family and friends' ability to live lives of basic dignity requires the sacrifice of all of his dreams and his agency, like Job in the Old Testament? The film Groundhog Day, 1993, is an interesting opposite bookend to It's a Wonderful Life. Same seclusion in an idealized small town of well-meaning people. But what if it's the protagonist who is flawed and he can, must go back and make life better? It's a Wonderful Life is a masterpiece of a film with every player at their best. Brava! End quote. I thought that showed some really interesting insight. And I want to thank Adam for writing us and listening to that episode. What what do you think of what he had to say? That's a really intriguing take on it. The Hmm. idea of, you know, that fantasy fantasy versus reality. Huh. Yeah, and wow. uh, in that case, I'm with George Bailey, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like his fantasy world better than the real world. I like the, but, you know, Frank Capra, people refer to Capra-esque films. Mm. He he himself referred to it as Capra-corn. And there's something to be said about that, but there's also something really comforting about that. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Well, if any of you want to send comments, well... We'll tell please. you dip at the end of the show. But yes, please do. But now we get to trivia in a little segment I like to call The Facts. Budget $25 million. Awesome! Take $20 <laughs> Radical. million. Not so uh, awesome. 
Mm. Strange that we're up to Euro Trip 25. Yeah, you noticed that, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Europe! We get to see all (laughs) of Europe in this film. Well, actually, all we get to see is Prague. Yeah, they added Mm -hmm. all the landmarks like the Vatican, the Houses of Parliament, etc. with special effects. And what wasn't filmed in Prague was filmed in L.A. It's literally like 95% What part of Europe is that? Europe. And uh. just for fun, they filmed the graduation party with kegs of real beer. Wee! <laughs> is that legal? Eh. Well, I mean, considering no one in that movie is under 18 or eh. probably under 21. I would like to uh, go with eh. <laughs> <laughs> The Club Vandersex scene was actually a replacement for a scene for one that was considered too risque and too insulting. In the original, the sex club is called the Secret Room. Getting lost, Cooper instead finds his way into the Anne Frank house, gets naked on her bed, and waits for a mistress. Well, you can guess where it would have gone from there. Oh, dear. Ha, ha. I'm doing you a favor by not reading what was supposed to happen next. But, yeah. I, I think they made the right call. Yeah. Oh, did you catch that clever Die Hard reference? The two guards at the Dutch sex club are named Hans and Gruber. Oh, and Gruber. Yes, I did actually catch that. <laughs> the Mika. fun we have. Yeah, what the fun we have, yeah? Mika, that name that is supposedly common among German women. Yeah, it's a Dutch name, but that's all yeah, Europe, well. so whatever, right? Original name of this movie, The Ugly Americans. But the producers changed to make it sound more like one of their other movies, Road Trip. Ah. Uh. How the hell did they get Matt Damon for this movie? Matt Damon! Matt Damon! Well, he was in town filming the Brothers Grimm at the same time, and uh, he was wearing a wig for that part anyway, so he had no problem shaving his head to be the punk rocker. So, you know what? Good for Matt. Shows he has a sense of humor. Okay, yeah, and he knows how to go with the flow. That's cool. Speaking of Matt Damon, of all the lines spoken in films by Matt Damon, apparently, (laughs) Scotty doesn't know is the line most repeated back to him. Oh, really? Okay, not how do you like them apples? Not even that. (laughs) Apparently, Scotty doesn't know is the top one. Okay, okay. Um, So, as there's really not a lot of trivia this week, uh, let's instead make some up. Okay. When, when When the Pope is declared dead in the film, audiences in Italy rioted and threatened to burn down the theater on its opening night. True. I think... True. Well, wait, I thought you were making this up. <laughs> Bratislava threatened to sue the producers for its depiction in this film. They were later placated with a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> the song Scotty Doesn't Know actually charted at number five on the Brazilian Top 40. It has spent 463 weeks at that spot and is now the theme song to the National Brazilian Football Club. No, really? I think you're lying, Grandpa. And lastly, the part of Scotty, while credited to actor Scott Melkovich, was actually played by Dame Judi Dench. <laughs> she can do anything. Isn't she amazing? She, she's a global treasure. <laughs> Cute, chubby little Judy, Judy, Judy Dench. Clever, <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> Max, do you have anything to add? Do you any, know any more real trivia to Eurotrip? Uh, well, the horny Italian guy who keeps trying to molest Jamie is played by the legendary Fred Armisen. Mm. Uh, other than that, oh yeah, I can tell you this much. That was not the fireplace that they use when the <laughs> new Pope is announced. That is this whole weird little firebox that they place a special chemically treated cloth into 
it, it's a dedicated chimney. It's not just some fireplace in a room. You mean that wasn't the real Vatican as depicted I, in Prague? <laughs> I, do you need a minute? I realize this is a shock given the colossal realism that we saw. I'd like to go back to my statement about Krispy Kreme donuts, just yeah, in case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I got nothing else. Well, let's get to the plot. Yeah. We'll just skip that line at the Vatican and get right to the plot. <laughs> Scotty is a bumbling fool. On the day of his high school graduation high school, his longtime <laughs> girlfriend dumps him in front of everyone. Facing a summer of boredom and frustration, he instead fixates on a German woman, whom he thought was a man, that he's been corresponding with via email. When he realizes that she is not some dude from Krauttown, he decides that it would be a great idea to fly with his best friend Cooper and somehow find her in Berlin. And so they go, meeting their other friends, twins Jenny and Jamie, in Paris. From there, it's a wacky bit of hopscotch as they leapfrog their way around various European capitals, trying to make their way to Berlin and Mika, Scotty's love. Along the way, they befriend British soccer hooligans, an odd man in Bratislava, a very odd Italian man on a train, a married man named Christoph, and a corral of creepy characters that in no way insult anyone who's ever lived anywhere in Europe. Because they're all sex-crazed maniacs they are right? Yep. Eventually, Scotty and crew catch up with Mika in Rome, and oh, the hijinks they cause at the Vatican. Can true love, well, lust, win out over incredible odds? And will Mika even want to deal with Scott, whom she's only met through email? I hate to say it, folks, but there is only one way to find out. Or you can just listen to the rest of the show. The Film so, Max, had you, you seen Hero Trip before? Uh, not all of it. I'd seen, like, I'd come across it on cable every so often and seen a scene here and there, but I'd never seen the whole movie. Hmm, that might actually be a good way to see it. Oops. Uh, mm. So this is the first full-time viewing of yeah. Euro Trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, how about you? Oh, yeah, I had never even heard of it till Dave oh, mentioned okay. it. I, when he said Euro Trip, I thought it was one of the European vacation films somehow, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was a... Um, Sex crazed, horny teen, teen. Please hear oh, yeah. that word in quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is anyone in this I film under twenty five? I'm not sure that I they are. I doubt it. Except his young brother, who I don't even want to talk about. Mm. Um, well, then let's get to the cast because we have this 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 all star cavalcade. <laughs> uh, the lead, I guess, of this film is Scotty, mm. played by Scott Melkovich. Clever there. Um, yeah. I wonder if he suffers uh, we, from Tony Danza syndrome. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, Scott Mel Melkowitz, who we all know from. Uh, no, no, he was in. Um, uh, uh, wait, uh, no, wait, was it? Uh, no, no, he was the guy in that. Um, um, okay, I have no idea who this guy is. I don't either. It, yeah, same with his uh, his best friend, his sort of Garth to his Wayne, his Stifler to his. Whatever the hell the other guy in American Pie's name was, uh, you know, Coop, uh, Jacob Pitts, uh, who plays Cooper Harris. I don't know who he is. He's son of Zazu Pitts. That's sorry, that's a personal <laughs> deeper Zazu yeah, Pitts. Yeah, Look her up. Yeah. So what do I we don't know. Well, well, we'll just put them together. Yeah. What do we think of these two as in their performances? What performance? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> they're 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 fine. They're placeholders. They are basically hooks onto which. They hang various scenes, jokes, tropes, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're kind of ciphers. I mean, it's like, hi, I'm the basically nice guy who's a bumbling clod, and hi, I'm the horn dog jerk who will say who has no filter on his mouth. Mm, really? So they, you know, they they 
manage their respective cliche parts perfectly adequately. And they're more or less a more mobile Dante and Randall. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Except, Except not as articulate. Think, I honestly think Dante and Randall from uh, Clerks are a much more yeah. interesting pair of characters. Well, they're all, and they're Randall's up, the biggest yeah. jerk in the world. <laughs> yeah, except those two, those guys actually like know things. Randall and Dante have clearly either paid attention to all the movies they've watched or they've actually read the occasional book. These guys don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole thing where, as they point out, his Scotty's little brother, who's taking intro to German, his German is better than Scotty's, yeah. who is supposed to be, you know, I guess he's been taking it for four years. I also loved and, this one point where they actually translate a German word incorrectly. They, which what, one? What Zusammen mean? It's like, Zusammen means all together. It doesn't mean uh, to, to that's what I thought form so. a meeting. <laughs> That's right. That was the like the, the Beatles song, Al Zusammen jetzt. Yeah, which means all together. That's now. how they translate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so but, I whatever. They actually got so even the creators got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're just not very interesting, but they're not really supposed to be. Well, good, they and, succeed then. Yeah. <laughs> they're and, not you know, very Cooper interesting. Cooper is an idiot. Yeah. Although I have to say his sum up. Of the re of the relative sexual histories of America and Europe, is kind of dead on. It's like you got to remember we're all right. This country was founded by prudes. Yeah, yeah, the Puritans. Yeah, who were vehemently anti-sex. Yeah, and that entire value system is still endemic in our culture. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. However, yeah, that yeah. does not mean going to Europe means you're automatically going to have wild sex in the streets. Oh, it totally <laughs> does. It says so in Fromers. <laughs> I, I kind of like the point where they meet Mr. Frommer as if yeah, there's Arthur a, Frommer. Yeah, sure. I think there was a Frommer. Oh, sure there was a point. guy, but I think that was, what, 90, 100 years ago? Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that was cute. Where yeah, there, Jamie, the there, evil twin. <laughs> evil? He's not evil. He's just—he's like uptight. He's the yeah. uptight twin. He's the ultra planner. You know, the type A. Yeah. The oh good heavens! I've got everything all organized, and I carry a guidebook, and I, you know, I, I wear a travel wallet. Which I—I I am sorry. They should not make fun of that. That is actually a really smart thing to do. Yes, it is. Mm. I will say this too. Of the three guys, yeah. his character has the most depth, which is weird to say. But we you actually think? why? Because we actually see that he has like um, habits and he has insecurities, which uh, neither of the two main characters have. They're one of them is like, oh, I'm fixated on this one woman that I thought was a guy, and the other one's like, I'll screw anything. That's their entire characters. We know nothing else true. about them. Jamie does have a bit more inner life. We know he <laughs> likes to. He loves cameras. He likes to take pictures. Yeah, he's obsessed. He's obsessed with the uh, travel facts. Yeah. And he's apparently qualified to be a guide in the Vatican. Yeah, no, but that's that the yeah. Vatican in Prague, the yeah. Eastern chapter. But uh, yeah, I want to skip yeah. over Jenny just for a second because there's, there's oh, the, why? because there's a weirdness to, to her character that I want to take some time with. Okay, and there's not many other people to talk to talk about. We get Kristen Kroik, who plays the, the initial girlfriend to Scotty Fiona, yep, who's Fiona, there for five yeah. seconds, and. Um, Quite honestly, her portrayal comes down to having a really good time while Matt Damon sings the the main point of this movie, which is the song Scotty Doesn't Know, which is a song about how the fact that Scotty's girlfriend has in fact been screwing him for months and practically even before they met, I don't know. Um, but she's barely there. 
And by the way, that is a really friggin' catchy song. It's a really catchy song. Scotty doesn't know. It really is. It's a really earworm. I actually wondered if it hadn't been written by the guy from Fountains of Wayne because it had that same catchiness as that thing you do. But it was not. Um, And then there's a bunch of other people and uh, Matt Damon. And Matt Damon, he gets up on stage and he rocks out. And honestly, I know he's lip syncing, but... He's fun. He's very convincing. You believe he's like some, you know, douchebag rocker. Yeah. So, you know, a little clap for Matt Damon. But uh, Michelle Trachtenberg. Yeah. Who is probably best known as Dawn from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, okay. Hmm. What is the deal with her treatment? Yeah, it's very confusing, especially with the, uh, the whole thing. One of the running gags, especially from Cooper, is... When she has to keep reminding him that she's a girl. Yeah. Nobody who looks at Michelle <laughs> Trachtenberg would not know she is a girl. It's so weird. Like, they keep treating her like she was a tomboy or something. Maybe she was. There's no evidence of it now. Mm. I mean, these guys have to be utterly blind. Now, now to be fair, that is a thing that happens. You te- These guys, the implication is, although we're not really told... They've known each other since they were little kids. Yeah, but she also keeps saying, um, there's a girl present that's mixed company, and they talk about having sex. I want to find a girl to have sex with. And she's like, blink, blink. Um, and and he, honestly, they always say, you're just, a, you're, just one of, you're just a guy with long hair, I think is one of Cooper's lines. And I'm sorry, there are sometimes you can get actors that can portray that. Yeah. Like, I want to say um, Tato O'Neill. I mean, we're going yeah, to bad news bears and stuff. Yeah, she. But that's the way her character wants to be seen. She wants to be seen yeah. as just another one of the guys. She's. That's she, how she projects. That's but, how she presents herself. Is as ma- more masculine. To me, there is nothing masculine or guy-like about Michelle Trachtenberg. They, no. It's not until they get to the nude beach, and we're going to talk about that in a second, where <laughs> she takes off her hugely baggy sweatshirt, and somehow that's when Cooper notices. Oh wait, she has breasts. Like it's well, not like she's been hiding of. them through the rest of the film. No, I mean she is kind of willowy in the way she she's not particularly curvy. I mean she but needs a she's definitely a woman. Yes. So I don't. I, I totally didn't understand that whole "will you know the girl" thing. I didn't. It didn't make any that sense. That was to odd. Me. That was an odd running gag. Especially just except again, you have to assume it has something to do with the personal dynamic they've had since childhood. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the way they portray them as twins. You know, she's Jamie, she's Jamie's twin sister. Yeah. And as they keep saying, one of the other running gags is, you are the worst twins ever. Yeah. Because they don't get it. You know, they, they don't have any of that telepathic bond the twins have. <laughs> Which is They real. don't finish. Well, they're, they're, I, I know people who have t- who are related to twins who've had things like one gets hurt and the other one feels it. Mm. Some There are recorded instances of things like that. But there's nothing there. They they don't have the same tastes. They don't have. They don't remember what each one likes. Yeah. They aren't freakishly close, except in one scene. <laughs> yeah, because that was awkward. You know what's funny? <laughs> incest is really funny. <laughs> Especially, uh, you know what's even funnier than incest? Twincest. Yeah. Well, it's not even twincest. It's they get drunk at a club. On the strongest absinthe I've ever heard of. Yeah, because... Did you notice on a, they're in a club in Bratislava, which is a city, by the way, in Slovakia. Yeah, uh, no, Bratislava is its own country is, now. Oh, it is? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, okay. it's both a city and the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, they split. That whole My thing My apologies to the people of Bratislava. Yep. 
I've been there. Ah, it was nothing like that. <laughs> it's not. It's not a depressing Eastern block horror show. I mean, there's some definite um, architecture that was of the brutalist yeah. kind left over, but uh -huh. honestly, it felt not that different from the other parts of Eastern Europe we were in at the time. So, mm. yeah, I it wasn't. Everything wasn't all covered with graffiti, and that Russian guy who throws shows up in Eyes Wide Shut and Bond movies yeah. and Slow Horses isn't there, um, uh, and there's not trash all over the place. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I have to say that that scene does have one of my that that sequence has my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes. Oh, the one that actually makes me laugh. When they're like, well, we've got a dollar eighty-seven. What can we afford? And they end up in a five-star hotel because of the exchange rate. Yeah. And at one point, uh, Scotty tips one of the guys a nickel. Yeah. And the guy goes, "I opened my own hotel." <laughs> I, quit. I thought that. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, because let's make fun <laughs> of people in a poor country. That um, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I sorry. Tasteless but funny. Well. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of that in this film. Yes. Uh, hey, speaking of tasteless and funny, let's talk about that nude beach scene. Did that catch you oh. by surprise? Yes, that was a bit of a shock because you, know, you had full frontal male nudity. I'd say at least 50 of them. At least. And honestly, I got no problem with that. I think good. You know, I always thought that was the stupidest, one of the stupidest aspects of the film rating system is in a PG movie, yeah. you can show female nudity. Yep. That's okay, but you cannot, as soon as you show male frontal nudity, that's an R rating. Bang. Yeah. And that's it's unbelievably hypocritical. And the thing is, the way it's portrayed is not really titillating or sensual no, at just, all. It's a bunch of naked guys running on the beach, and things the, the, are flopping. The whole, as you the whole joke is, they go to a nude beach for the reason most horny American men go to a nude beach. They want to see women. But the joke is... The women all know this and don't go to that beach. Yeah. So it's all got, it's a huge sausage fest. Yeah. And the when one woman, Michelle Trachtenberg, shows up, they all turn, they turn into like a pack of rioting hyenas. Yeah. And go racing after her and they all which, run. Uh, apparently, yeah, which, um, I left this out of trivia, but Jacob Pitts, um, when, once he dropped his shorts, he mm -hmm. wouldn't pull them back on because he thought it was funny that it made everyone else uncomfortable. So he just kept oh. swinging the entire time they were shooting on that beach. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. sure. Probably the most interesting fact about Jacob Pitts. <laughs> Very likely. Zazu's son. Yeah. Again, it's. I think that there's some funny stuff there. I think that sequence goes on too long. Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of funny. Bunch of, apparently, it was also really cold. So, like, Ooh. between shots, they were all huddled under oh. blankets, which oh God. probably was one of the reasons it didn't get an X rating. Uh, and everyone's yelling, shrinkage, shrinkage! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I gotta say, <laughs> is it a bad thing that um, I like Matt Damon better than the two heroes? <laughs> How, Matt Damon, um, whatever else you may think of him, is very likable. He yeah. always is in the movies, and it's... He, he has much... He has more charisma than either of the major leads. Yeah. And I don't, giving a little bit away, I didn't mm -hmm. like the two main characters very much. There are times when at least Scotty can be likable, and then he tends to throw it away. Well, there's, there's kind of nothing there. I mean, he's like, yeah. oh, I want to go and get together with this woman who I thought was a guy, except I didn't like her because she was a guy. I got along with her because I got along with her, and I was able to be myself because I wasn't trying to get her into bed. Hmm. And I, which is actually really kind of interesting. If you think mm -hmm. about it, right? It's like, oh, 
I it's email because there's no photos in 2004. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently uh, nobody could send photos by email. They hadn't invented that yet. No, she sent one snapshot and said, this is a picture oh, yeah. of me, and I don't know who the other person's name was, but it's this tall, blonde, doopy-looking yeah. guy. And he assumed mm-hmm. that Mike, which is how he's mispronouncing the name, uh, mm-hmm. and Mika was the guy, and so he would just talk. But I think it's actually, in a way, there's this... And it was nothing meant by the director, I'm sure. There's a really interesting comment about how somebody can be attracted to somebody because they're able to be themselves with that person. Mm. Yeah. um, It's kind of sad because we know what's going to happen. When he meets her, he's not going to be himself. He's going to be what he thinks she wants, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, One of the things I did kind of like, and it's just a moment and they throw it away and they don't do anything with it, that I did kind of like their relationship is at one point when... Early on, Scotty says, I'm in love with my pen pal. And Cooper takes that to mean he's gay and he's coming out to him. And he is remarkably chill for a 2004 movie. He's very calm about it. And he's very like, that's cool. I I appreciate you're coming out to me first. You know, don't worry about telling everybody. He's like, no, I'm not gay. And again, even when he says, I'm not gay, it's not like, oh, God, no, I'm not. It's not panic. It's just like, no, you got it wrong. That's why he's annoyed. I thought that was surprisingly more advanced for those characters, and they don't really live up to that later in the movie. Well, no, because then we get Fred Armisen as this Italian guy <laughs> who likes to sit too close to, um, I think, who <laughs> is it, Jamie? It, it's Jamie, and eventually he ends up with his pants off, and he's trying to massage him. And yeah, and he just, every t- they keep going through tunnels, scoozy, it goes dark, and, and it gets dark, <laughs> and, they, and when the light comes back on, his hand is further along, or something else is going on, and he just goes, me scoozy, me scoozy, me scoozy, and... Uh, I can't Come tell. On. Are it, they trying to say that funny. all Italian men are gay? I couldn't even tell what that was supposed to <laughs> no, be. No, it's the idea that uh, there is a cliche that Italian men don't have a lot of sense of personal space boundaries. Having been to and, Italy yeah. and Germany and uh, Austria, England, Scotland, um, where else? Uh, Hungary. Okay, Phineas Fogg. What are we getting to? The Germans were the ones with the problem with personal space. Everywhere uh. we went... If there were some, like if there was a, a train car and there were six seats, and we were nearest the window and there was four seats open, the Germans would come and sit right next to us. They wouldn't sit next huh. to you know give leave space. Of um, course, it is the mo- it is the most efficient way to sit. <laughs> this will leave the greatest amount of space open for additional people. Well, and to be fair, I, I, in a way that might be true. When I stayed hmm. at a campground in Norway, at a fjord, this long tract of land left open for tents. We went to the very end. We went hiking, came back down. There was a tent right in front of ours. There's a whole chunk of land with nobody <laughs> on it. Where and who were they? They were German. And I was like, uh-huh. what is? What, oh, they are going to stand really close to you right now and speak so you can smell out you understand that this movie is largely about cultural stereotypes and one of them is that italians particularly the men they'll put their arm around you they'll sit on your lap practically they're very physically close they're very physically affectionate i guess i never actually saw any evidence of that in italy but okay um i very much felt like it was supposed to be some sort of weird gay joke thing that i guess i don't think so i think it was again about the uh just his the pants were off, Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he wasn't trying to. He wasn't actually trying to hump the guy. We didn't see that part because that's when we <laughs> he gets thrown out into the hall. So I, yeah, yeah. Yes, oh. and then we get we get an unnecessary shot of Fred Armisen's ass. 
Is it really in this film? Is it really unnecessary? I, I suppose like, not. I would like to I debate gotta, that point. <laughs> I do have to say, Fred Armisen is the only reason that scene is at all funny. He throws himself into it. I will give him that. He does not hold anything back. Fred Armisen is hilarious. He is a terrific performer. Did you happen to watch through the credits? I did. There are some outtakes in there. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> some of the outtakes yeah. are funnier than the stuff in the film, if you know what I mean. Uh, but there is one point where they're showing bits of that scene, they're trying to film it, and Jamie just can't help from laughing. Every time he turns and uh, looks at me, Scoozy, uh, he just starts breaking <laughs> up, which I can totally understand. When Fre when he's licking the side of Scotty's face, <laughs> yeah. and Scotty can't keep it together, yeah. he can't stop laughing. That, that was funny. Um, yeah. There is uh, some other odd messaging in here. So the beginning of the film, we have Scotty, and he can't wait to, to see his girlfriend, Fiona, whom he, I guess she's a year older, and she's gone off to college. And no, no, like, she, oh, I thought she was younger, and she was going to go off to college. No, I think he says, I'm oh, going to go join right. you in college. So oh, she's okay, off okay. on her own. And she basically breaks up with him because he's so predictable. Because, you know, yeah. the last thing you want in a boyfriend is stability. Oh, cause, right. Or, or uh, yes, or someone you can, can, you know, that you can count on. Yeah. Um, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess this isn't so much of a message film. No, it's not the message. It's that she is, she is not a good person. We're supposed yeah. to be. And they do it in a, I think that's something they do very quickly and very well. Is they establish the characters very quickly. Yeah. Regardless of how boring, uninteresting, or cliche the characters are, they they use shorthand pretty pretty well to get it to get us an idea. We know Fiona's the jerk. Yeah. Well Scotty's the nice guy. Except nobody's on Scotty's side. Not really. Everyone just sort of seems to think it Yeah, nobody is like, oh man. Well no, Jenny is sorry. She says, I'm sorry, you know, about that. But everyone else just thinks it's hilarious. They're like, wow, this is brutal. I got to watch it again. Well, even Jeffrey Tambor, I, I'm sorry. What he Jeff is doing in this movie, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> what a, and I'm sorry, what a waste yeah. of Jeffrey Tambor, who is hilarious, a terrific actor. Yep. He's in like two scenes. He has like four lines, yeah. maybe. Yeah, then I, I, whatever. Yeah. But now there yeah. is a lot of, of stereotypes for Europeans in here. The whole, mm. the Dutch sect, uh, except here's the thing. I've been to Amsterdam, <laughs> the uh, red light district and the sex club. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> no. And I, I did like the Dutch Rastas. <laughs> Yeah, especially when it's like, oh, man, there's nothing in the brownies, man. <laughs> no, we don't sell hash brownies, man. This is just a Dutch bakery. <laughs> I got to tell you, if they don't have any in their brownies, they're the only ones. Because even back yeah. in 1985, that was a thing. <laughs> I mean, when I'm watching, you know, it's uh, Jenny and Scotty are in there, and they eat an entire plate of hash brown of what they think are hash brownies. They'd be dead. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting there going, you are going to wake up in the hospital if you're lucky. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> Is the sex club as as depicted true? Maybe there is probably S and M clubs that people like that sort of thing. The safe yeah, word how being many of them Dutch. Have <laughs> how many of them have Lucy Lawless in them as a dominatrix? Man, did they like disguise her or what? Because I did not recognize her. Even with those eyes, Lucy Lawless has incredibly distinctive eyes. I'm gonna go with uh, waste of Lucy Lawless too because yeah. she barely has anything to do. She's fine in what she does, but it's just so her throwaway. That was another thing in the uh, outtakes, obviously in Amsterdam. Uh, well, that I wish they had had <laughs> in because <laughs> that was like the fun, one of the funniest bits when the, the late was welcome. This is one of Amsterdam's most luxurious hostels. Uh, 
if you have personal uh, personal items or valuables, they will be stolen yeah. uh, un- unless you secrete them in your anus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if there is a fire because of our faulty wiring or the fireworks factory upstairs, you will Im- you will die in the resulting inferno, and all of your possessions in your anus will be destroyed. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. I was sorry that wasn't actually in the movie. Yeah, weird that, isn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I gotta say, there was one racial stereotype, or one cultural stereotype, that um, was really kind of dead on, and that was the football hooligans. Um, oh, let's yeah, face that it. was... <laughs> yeah, that that was absolutely believable. Except, <laughs> I love the idea. This This did make me laugh. That they convinced them... The Americans convince them that they are also Manchester United fans by singing My Baby Takes the Morning Train. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. It could be. I mean, you know, we found out through the trivia that uh, Scotty Doesn't Know is the actual song of the Brazilian football club. It's true. Look it up. Uh. Uh, uh-huh. that, also there's actually a really great outtake with the lead guy who plays the lead uh, soccer hooligan there who's sitting there screaming at the drivers in France that they're on the wrong side of the road and the best part is he's screaming he's like you wankers get on the wrong side blah 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 and he finally he just goes I'm naked <laughs> he's like too tired he's tired from yelling um, yep. that was actually pretty funny I like that part. that was funny I like lo- Still amazed me. He opens two beer bottles by shoving them in his <laughs> eye sockets. Like, ow! Yeah, obviously not. not I know real. you can do that. I've heard of that, but ow! Yeah, I, no, I don't think so. I can ask you a question, though. Uh, one of the scenes, yeah. there's a scene where they're waiting outside the Louvre. Um, yeah. And there's a really, really long line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they have a mime fight, although it, it's not really mimes. Oh, Come on, I thought I can't help it. I thought that was funny. I the just, guy doing the the robot, they end up doing dueling robots. I just didn't see the point in it. Like it doesn't lead anywhere. They never even go to the Louvre. Yeah, I don't know why they were online there. And by the way, if you go first thing in the morning, you can get into the Louvre just fine. Yeah. Um, I just was like, eh. Uh, really early on in the film, I bet you did the same thing. I wrote mm-hmm. a prediction, which is how long before somebody realizes they're in love with Jenny? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know about in love with, but uh, it's obvious Cooper just wants to have sex and it's like, hey, wait, she actually is. And over the time, he realizes, oh, wait, I am actually sexually attracted to this person. Yeah. And might actually be the one person in this film you're probably going to have sex with. Yeah. Besides that rototiller that they have in the sex club. (laughs) (laughs) I actually love the fact that there were these three spongy cones that spun, but in the middle Uh, was a feather. uh yeah, like that was confusing. And then he's walking funny the next day, and it's like, why? Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing in there that would have actually damaged him. No, but he finally, but, uh, yeah, says the word. I, I guess, do like the idea that the safe word was something in Dutch he couldn't pronounce. Well, that's true of any Dutch word. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say the um, mm. the geography in this movie oh, is. Uh, interesting because <laughs> they fly first to england and then they go to paris okay that's fine yeah you can do they're that they're trying to get to berlin so naturally from paris they go east to amsterdam <laughs> yeah uh yeah. that's not where amsterdam is um but i i do like that cooper has the ugly american sense of european geography it's like oh, come on paris is practically a suburb of germany of, of <laughs> berlin i do like yeah you know the 
France, France and Germany are right next to each other. That's why they've always been allies. D- yeah. Like, ah! Real quick on the absinthe. Uh, people don't know absinthe was, yeah. was in fact known as the Green Fairy. The yeah. idea that you hallucinated was apparently more than overblown, and you had to drink a ridiculous amount of it to ever get that to happen. That being said, it was outlawed in the States and a number of other places for many, many years. You can get mm-hmm. it now even with wormwood. And guess what? It doesn't make you hallucinate. Um, also, unlike the the label that we see in the Bratislava bar, it is not 75% alcohol. No. It is not 150 proof. And it doesn't glow either. It does not glow. The most interesting way to drink it, let's see if I can remember this, uh, is yeah. you have a small glass and you have this little slotted spoon made especially yep. for this. And you set, somehow you set the ice cube on fire and you drain the absinthe through it and it actually turns no, no, it from a clear not, to a cloudy it's not an, no no it's not an ice cube it's no, a sugar, a sugar cube. cube sugar cube yeah yeah sorry about that and it turns it from mm. clear to cloudy yeah uh, that being said you look at it you're you're probably trying to figure out what's it going to taste like what's going to taste like it does not taste what you think it's going to taste like it tastes like licorice yeah it's, it's just another like it's an anise based thing it's like perno yeah it's, well, wormwood is apparently some sort of thing that they make it out of. But again, yeah, it's fine. Um, I actually kind of liked the little green fairy that showed up. He was kind of funny. <laughs> he was funny. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm at that point where I'm just about out of notes except for the wrap-up to decide if we like it. How about you, Max? What, what do you got left? I think, I think we've gone through. Although, I have to admit, when they're in the Vatican, that gets so over the top. Yeah, uh, I do. I I kind of like where Scotty lurches out and in effect becomes the next or appears to become the next pope. Yeah, I, I that's very odd. And the thing the that that was something else. The fact that there's really no consequence no. to that, even though they say you're in big trouble. And next thing you see, they're out. Like they would have torn him limb from limb. The Scott the Swiss guard. Would have ripped him, ripped his head off, and be, used his head to beat the others to death. Well, the Swiss Guard do not mess around. No, they yelled at my mother. She was uh, in the way. They told her what? to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. They've never lost a pope, so they say. At least not to via, not to overt violence in four hundred years, and they're very proud of that. Well, remember what I said in the trivia that the uh, the um, audiences in Italy rioted. At that scene, no, really. <laughs> yes, but you were you were making that up. <laughs> Was I? Yes, you were. <laughs> well, then why don't we just get to the roundup and we'll Let's see get what to we the make up. up there. The finish. So, Max. Yeah. Euro trip. Yeah. What'd you think? There are some funny moments in it. I I laughed a couple of points, but overall, I don't think it holds together. Uh, I think there's. Funny stuff interspersed with a lot of cliches, a lot of standard jokes, and a lot just like, aren't aren't foreigners funny? (laughs) And again, I don't think the leads are, except I like Michelle Trachtenberg. I thought she, I don't think they gave her enough to do. She was way too peripheral. Mm. I didn't think that the the main characters were particularly interesting, likable, or identifiable. So it's okay. I I just... uh, Overall, I'm not sure it works. What about you? Well, some of my notes include script seems infantile. The seems? Hot, <laughs> hot tub scene at the party is amazingly dumb and unfunny. Yeah. Um, let's see what else do yeah, we have. That was, Every joke like, falls flat. Uh, what else uh, do we have in here? 
I uh, the scenes seem only vaguely connected. It's almost like little skits barely stitched together yeah. to make a travel film. That being said, if I were a younger person seeing this for the first time, I might enjoy it the same way people enjoyed American Pie. Although to be fair, mm-hmm. I was I think in my forties when I saw that, and I still laughed. I thought that was a funny yeah. movie. And we see our yeah. entire episode on American Pie. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing really inventive here. Um, I don't find the humor anything but predictable really um some of it's just it's not particularly nice for women right because we have that one scene in the hot tub where it's like all we're here for is to look at her boobs okay mm. fine to be fair there is a sausage fest at the beach okay i'll give at them that the beach at the beach but again i thought some of the outtakes were funnier than what made it into the movie I kind of would almost rather see a documentary of the making of this film because I'd better be a lot more fun. I just, it's felt very awkwardly put together. Um, the, the humor didn't really appeal to me for the most part. I don't like any of the main characters. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg's fine, I guess. Except I, all I can think of is why are you with them? These are three people you really don't want to spend time with. You're just pretending you do or something because you could have anybody else in Europe, really. This is Christoph guy, and the only reason she doesn't go with him is he's married, which is portrayed in Europe as, eh, so what? We all do this. Uh, We always shoot Claude. Yeah, pretty much. So I, uh, yeah. Scotty doesn't know. Really catchy song. Honestly, best part of the movie. (laughs) I, yeah. If I ever met Matt Damon, I wouldn't just throw that at him, but I would sort of like give him the look like, I'm not going to say Scotty doesn't know, but you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, I, once in a while, there's something kind of sort of funny, but eh, I didn't laugh once. I really didn't. Okay, not out loud. I, I did. This, this movie did get a few laughs out of me, I will say. If I was under the influence of something, <laughs> I might enjoy it. But yeah, I'm going to go with, with no. But what I am going to go with in a totally different direction is our poll question. Oh, yes. We would like to know, and I don't know where I got this idea, what movie did you just find blindingly unfunny even when everyone around you was laughing themselves sick? Let us know. And how do you do that? You can email us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com. Speaking of maxmikemovies.com, you can go to our website where all 270 previous episodes are there, plus specials, plus other stuff. You can leave comments on particular episodes or, heck, just give us ideas for movies and series you would like to see. In fact, your comment for one of our poll questions is going to make up one third of this series. You can go to Facebook, where we are, Max Mike Movies, and if there is a podcast app out there, there's a good chance we're already on it, except apparently YouTube Music we're not on. Is that the not, one? No, Amazon yet. Music. Yeah. Or is no, it no, it's YouTube, YouTube Music. Music. We're not on Amazon. YouTube, I hope we will be when they discontinue Google Podcasts. Yeah, which that makes sense. Which we are on. Yeah. But Max, which movie have I picked for next week? <laughs> Well, you, huh? <laughs> yeah, I just realized. Hang on, I will use my fantastic telepathic powers. <sighs> oh, 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 I have to change my pants. That's not a prediction. That's a result. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> now, now, what are, we, what are we watching next week? Or what of our viewer suge- uh, listener suggestions no. are we going to listen to? No, no, no. I mean, the- watch. I mean... <laughs> That was this week. We had Dave oh, right. to thank for watching. Euro oh, so Trip. this next one is your fault. This is my okay. fault. Uh, Which one I'm, is your fault? So we've been kind of doing it. You know, we just started this series, but we've been kind of doing a little bit of newer classic. In this case, this was a newer choice, but I'm going to stick mm-hmm. with newer, and I'm going to pick one that's only about ten years old. It's a film I have not okay. seen. I'm betting you have. 
And it uh-huh. stars one of my pa- uh, favorite comedy duos, which is, of course, Batman and Rob. No, no, no. What? <laughs> it is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And I'm going to ah. choose World's End. Oh, okay. The third of the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. And it's a film I have not seen. I really do like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. They are a darling mm. couple. But is that going to be enough for a film like this? Is it actually going to be funny? Or are we going to rip it into little shreds and call it your trip too? I don't know. <laughs> but there is only one way to find out. And that is to join us next time on Max Mike Movies. Your life depends on it. Well, your life does. <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 